Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you're enjoying time with your loved ones. You're obviously going to have a little bit of time, hopefully, to lounge around for an extended weekend. Let's talk about the top games going on. College football, college basketball, the end of the regular season for college football. Lots of games going on for college basketball, all the extended tournaments and weird stuff like that going on that are hard to keep track of. NFL games spread out, obviously. NBA's going on. Let's tackle the top games to be aware of as you head into probably a four-day weekend here starting with this thanksgiving so here we go all my blessings 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 I need my blessings every penny Daily counting every single one I'm seeing plenty Level up and watch that beat it turn into a belly See I'm stunned some all I'm thinking please don't tell me Right. So your turkey day on Thanksgiving will start a little early. So at 11 a.m., you'll have college basketball that'll bleed over from Wednesday. So the battle for Atlantis will be on ESPN going out through the entire day with a quadruple header. A lot of good teams playing. Again, I have the first tip at 11 a.m. It might start before that game slated to go all day. Uh, so the, it actually starts on Wednesday at noon. NC State is 4-0. and They'll be playing number three, Kansas, who is 4-0. and At 2.30, Dayton is 3-1. and They'll be playing Wisconsin, who is 3-0. and At 5 o'clock, BYU, who's 3-1, and will be playing USC, who is 3-1. That game is on ESPN2. The first two are on ESPN. And then at 7.30, Butler and 3-1 and will be playing number 22, Tennessee, who is 2-1 on ESPN2 as well. So the first two on ESPN, NC State, Kansas, Dayton, Wisconsin. Second two on ESPN2, BYU, USC, Butler, and Tennessee. Those are the Wednesday games. And so depending on who wins those games, they'll have different matchups heading into Thanksgiving, starting in the just before noon, heading throughout the rest of the day. So Dayton lost to uh, UNLV, who's still a top 100 team per Ken Palm. They haven't beaten a lot of other teams otherwise. BYU's in the same boat. They lost to San Diego State. Butler lost to Penn State, who's actually 30th in Ken Palm, which kind of surprised me. USC took a weird uh, Florida Gulf Coast loss in the opener. And Tennessee took a 22-point whooping to Colorado, who is 31 in Ken Palm, but has the weirdest resume in college basketball with wins over USC, uh, UC Riverside, Tennessee, and Texas A&M, but losses to Boise State, which isn't bad, but UMass and Grambling. So Tennessee, we presume, is going to be just fine there. It's certainly one of the favorites to win the tournament. NC State Wisconsin haven't played any big games at all. Kansas has a five-point win over Duke. Jalen Wilson there is averaging 24.5 points per game. The freshman string being there, Grady Dick, is averaging 16.8 points per game and shooting 55% from the field. The 6'8 kid there is looking pretty good. But all eight of these teams are in the top 90 per Ken Palm, with Butler at the lowest at 85, so it should be a good tournament here going Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So there we go, through Thanksgiving there. And uh, again, that'll be on ESPN throughout the day. At 11 o'clock as well, not quite as notable here, but Florida State, who is now 1-4, will be playing Siena at 2-2 two two on ESPN in college basketball as well. The Florida State finally got a win over Mercer the other night, 81-72. This has been uh, just a struggling group here for Leonard Hamilton. 
They started in the top 25 last year and took a number of losses, didn't even make the NCAA tournament. This year, they have losses to Stenson, Central Florida, Troy, and Florida by seven plus points. Hasn't been close. This isn't really a, a big game, but it's part of the ESPN events invitational that'll be going on throughout the uh, end of the weekend, end of the weekend here with Florida State, Memphis, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Old Miss, Seton Hall, Siena, and Stanford. Now, Memphis, Seton Hall, Old Miss, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and Stanford are all 27 to 61 in that range there. So a good group of teams just sitting outside of the top 25, presumably um, NCAA tournament teams down the line. So a lot of good teams in that mix there. Just so happens that these particular two to tip the tournament off just before noon are not uh, in that particular mix. But just worth noting the beginning of that tournament running throughout the day and the weekend. At noon, of course, on CBS, we will get the first of our NFL triple headers. The Lions at four and six will be hosting the Bills at seven and three. The Lions haven't won on Thanksgiving since 2016 against the Vikings. They might have a chance to pull a little upset here. Now, the Bills are favored by nine and a half points. These are the number two and number five offenses currently. The Bills did play, of course, in Detroit last week when they were uh, snowed out there at their own place, and they did fly home in between games. So you have to wonder if things are starting to wear on them a little bit. Um, Allen's thumb has been a problem, and you kind of have to wonder if Detroit, which has now won three of the past four games, and been three straight games, sorry, and been looking pretty good here, hammering the Giants last week. They have the worst defense in the league still. But they can put up points. St. Brown has been so important for this offense, and he's looking healthy. It certainly seems like they have the possibility to pull an upset here. Nine and a half certainly seems like a big line. So I would not sleep that not all three of these games are going to quite go as planned in the Lions. Seems like they might have an opportunity here to beat the Bills on Thanksgiving Day. Seems like a possibility. Now, the Phil Knight Invitational for college basketball tips off at 1 o'clock and runs through Thanksgiving into Sunday. There's a couple Phil Knight-named tournaments going on, which threw me off, certainly. But the Phil Knight Invitational, PKI, if you will, uh, is again Thanksgiving through Sunday. Alabama, Iowa State, Michigan State, North Carolina, Oregon, Portland, Yukon, Villanova are all participants in this particular tournament. Portland is obviously the outlier in this particular group, but they are 130 per Ken Palm. And the UNC team that they're playing in the one o'clock slot looks like the UNC team of early 2020 that was struggling and not the same North Carolina team that made a run to the national championship game. So this could be an interesting ball game at one o'clock for at least a half as North Carolina has not looked real proficient in putting teams away. Could be interesting. At 1.30, we do have Old Miss at 4-0 at Stanford. It's 2-2. Two two. It's a neutral site game, actually. ESPN Events Invitational game there. Uh, not a whole lot to say about either of those teams at this particular point, but that'll be on your television. At 3.30, number 8, Duke is 4-1. They're at Oregon State, 3-1 on ESPN. Again, this is the other Phil Knight tournament, the Phil Knight Legacy. Now, the teams involved in this, Duke, Florida, Gonzaga, Oregon State, Portland State, Purdue, West Virginia, and Xavier. Now, Portland State and Oregon State are the only bad teams per se, but the rest are top 40 per Ken Bomb, so it's a nice little eight-team group here uh, highlighted by 
Duke and uh, Gonzaga, although Purdue's not bad either. Xavier's not a bad team. Such a nice group here. Duke's got a nice group of young guys. They've only lost to Kansas so far this year. Schreier's got them going. Just a nice uh, nice challenge here, 3.30 on ESPN on Thanksgiving Day. Also in that time slot, Villanova's 2-2. Two two. They are hosting Iowa State, who's 3-0 and oh. on ESPN2. Nova's had a challenging schedule so far this year. Uh, Eric Dixon is shooting 43.4% from three and 54% from the field for Nova, who nearly completed a comeback against Michigan State earlier in the week. This is a, a, a good ball club. They're still a little banged up, uh, waiting for or, um, some guys to come back from injury for that team to kind of round it out, but not bad for uh, Neptune there stepping in at the head coach position and uh, and starting to uh, come together here. At 4.30 is the Giants at the Cowboys on Fox. Both squads are 7-3 and three and kind of seem to be headed in opposite directions. Giants obviously have lost two of three, giving up two of the largest point totals and blowout losses that they have all season which is still not not big numbers there. Um, but their last win in there was over the 1-7 Texans. So a team that certainly lived on the edge all season, and it looks like they're starting to head towards a backslide here. They've had some injury issues. Uh, the Cowboys last week thumped the Vikings, of course, in what was one of the biggest games of the week, and 40-3 to was the final there. I don't know how you can have a lot of confidence in the Giants' offense after the Cowboys held off the Vikings, and it was 183 yards of total offense that they allowed, seven sacks, 13 quarterback pressures. Each week is, of course, very different, especially in the NFL. But, man, I, I just don't know how you see that and how both teams are operating over multiple weeks now and kind of translate that property into this game. Uh, it was a rare game where uh, Dallas was able to pull so far ahead that Cooper Rush was put into the game. He actually able to put the backup quarterback in, which is just wild. Tony Pollard was, you know, unleashed, tied the uh, tied for carries in the game, led in receptions, led in total yards, tied for total touchdowns with two and 189 total yards last week. And uh, just, just devastating. Now Dallas is favored by nine points. Only two games have higher spreads than the first two Thanksgiving games here. Lions, Bills, and Giants, Cowboys. But again, I don't know that all these teams that are favored come out unscathed on Thanksgiving. Now heading towards 5 o'clock, you will have Nebraska and Oklahoma playing on ESPN. That's the ESPN Events Invitational. Uh, Not a lot of big games played between these teams so far. They've lost the uh, decent games to the decent opponents they've played. But two teams that could potentially be trying to fight for NCAA tournament uh, eligibility later on in the season. 5.30 at the Phil Knight Legacy, a much better game tips off on ESPN2. That is Xavier and Florida, a couple 3-1 squads. Xavier is shooting 52% from the field, 44% from three. Five players are averaging double digits. Their only loss was to Indiana by a couple of points. This is a team that can possibly win the Big East. Villanova will be in the mix there. Creighton will be in the mix there. But this is a very good Xavier team, not the same one that made the NIT. I believe it was the NIT last year. Or maybe they made it as a first four team. They are right on the bubble there. This is a bounce back team here in Xavier. Florida has a guy in Colin Castleton averaging 25.3 points per game, 8.8 rebounds, shooting 55% from the field. And this team as well is not quite the bubblish team that you're looking at in the past. This is looking like a, a decent looking Florida team in the SEC that's, of course, Kentucky and Tennessee are sitting at the top there. 
Alabama, I'm not so sure about their three point percentage numbers aren't looking so great and that's what they like to do. So it kind of looks like if there's a, a third team that could rise up there, they could potentially challenge for the top of the uh, SEC there. At seven o'clock, we have our only college football game of the day. 14th ranked Old Miss is eight and three. They're hosting Mississippi State, who's seven and four on ESPN in the Egg Bowl. The Ole Miss has lost three of four and looks like they didn't want to play at all against Arkansas in a blowout loss last week. Lane Kiffin's name's coming up for the Auburn job, possibly other positions, so there's a lot of turmoil there. Uh, non-interested players, non-interested coach maybe. MSU has lost three of five, and their wins were over East Tennessee and Auburn, so it's been tough sledding for both teams. MSU hasn't had any 100-yard rushing games this year from anybody or totally yardage at all. It's been all in the air. Will Rogers has struggled against better offensives. Obviously, you're not running the ball, so locking down on the offensive game. Not sure that this is going to be able to uh, be a, a prolonged game plan here in the SEC for uh, Leach here for Mike Leach. Seems like it's going to be a little bit of a, a struggle. It'd be nice to see this kind of offense kind of go off, but not sure it's going to happen. Rogers is still completing 68% of his passes, 32 touchdowns, five picks. Old Miss's passing defense hasn't been great this season. They also haven't played the best quarterbacks, and they've lost to them. LSU, Alabama, maybe Arkansas. They've all come the past two two weeks here, three weeks here, and um, they've lost. So uh, motivation will be a big part of this. Um, of course, 300, 400-yard rushing games on the uh, Old Miss side, they'll be able to, to certainly push for that against Mississippi State. They haven't been able to to be stopped, really. And uh, both both teams operating on completely different wavelengths on how they want to attack things offensively through the air for Mississippi State. A lot of short throws and a lot of um, handing the ball off and option stuff for Old Miss. So very interesting from that perspective. I think we'll actually get quite a few points in this one, if I had to say so. Um, hopefully both teams will be locked in, but that's your one college football game. Even if there aren't a lot of stakes attached and both are all already locked in for bowl games, it should be a good time. So uh, now it's 7.30 on ESPNU. Memphis is 2-1. and one. They're playing Seton Hall, who's 3-1. and one. This is part of the ESPN Events Invitational now. Now Seton Hall shoots well. They seem to have a lot of turnovers, turn the ball over quite a bit. They lost to Iowa, the best team they played so far, by 20-plus. So tough going there, but another team that could have some say in the Big East. Memphis hasn't played cupcakes, uh, but they've played some decent, uh, decent teams. They have wins against uh, Virginia Commonwealth, VCU, and uh, Vanderbilt, and a loss to St. Louis. So that team's really kind of reforming there after uh, some losses for Penny Hardaway there. So just a good game between a couple teams that we'll hopefully see in the NCAA tournament again. Just a lot of middling teams still trying to sort out who's going to be, I guess, good, watchable, talented in the uh, college, college basketball world right now. 8 o'clock will be the next Phil Knight Invitational tip-off on ESPN2. Oregon is 2-2. Two and two. UConn is 5-0 and oh and ranked 20th. Now, the Ducks were ranked in the top 20 last season preseason. They had a number of losses and really sucked. It's not been a great start for them so far. Just not, just not a very good team. I don't know how else to say. It's not a very good basketball team. They lost to UC Irvine and Houston so far. They can't shoot from anywhere from long range, from the free throw line. I think they're 60%. not great from the field. They have a nice big center uh, who looks athletic and is fun to watch, but I just I don't know what the hell is going on there. UConn can shoot. They're holding a, a opposing a rebounding numbers down, so 
they're going to be the prohibitive favorite here. Uh, but another interesting ball game there. At 8:20 is the nightcap on our NFL action. Vikings are eight and two hosting the Patriots, who are six and four on NBC. There are callings for Bailey Zappi to be put in at quarterback for the Patriots after another poor performance from Mac Jones last week and a 10-3 win over the Jets where it was a late kick return that made the difference in a win for the Pats in a horrid game. The line is Vikings 2.5 here. Now, the Patriots defense is 4th. Vikings is 29th. Now, the Vikings have played three teams that are considered top 12 defenses at this time. Cowboys and Eagles, who both had good offenses and blew them the hell out. The Commanders, they beat 20-17, to not a great offense there, kind of like the Pats. Now, defense may win championships, but offenses win games, and you need to win games before you can think championships. So I certainly understand the line here for the Vikings. This could really be a, a gross game. Um, obviously, the big lines on the earlier games, one of these is going to be entertaining with the underdog pulling through. This could certainly be on the docket. Lions could certainly be on the docket. Cowboys might just blow the hell out of Giants, but who knows? That's why we watch, especially on Thanksgiving. And um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll get Bailey Zappi. Maybe we won't. Pats will certainly have the ability to exploit the Vikings defense and to be able to muzzle the uh, the offense as well. Now, heading into the later night, you're slowing down, you're digesting, you're feeling sleepy, but hang on. We got stuff going all night. So here are a few of the highlights as well. Phil Knight Legacy continues on 10 o'clock. Number 24, Purdue is 3-0. They're playing West Virginia, who's 4-0 on ESPN2. Zach Eady has stepped into a full starting role for Purdue. Obviously, he was splitting minutes last year with another great uh, center in Williams there. Now, he's playing 29 minutes per game. He's got 20.7 points as an average right now, 13.7 rebounds, 3.3 blocks on 65% shooting. And he's such an elite uh, defender, elite defensive numbers last year. The metrics I haven't double-checked, but have got to be right around there this season. He obviously hasn't played a great competition at this particular point. Neither has West Virginia, but this could be a good late-night ball game. 10 o'clock. Ironically enough, the, the Paycom Wooden Legacy, we'll just drop the sponsor out. The Wooden Legacy Tournament has four teams. Fresno is 1-3, and three, Vanderbilt's 2-2, two and two, Washington's 3-1, and one, and the Gales of St. Mary's are 5-0. and oh. They're the four teams participating in this particular tournament. Now, the first two games are going to be played late on Wednesday, and then uh, it's going to be one of those winners play and then losers play on Thanksgiving Day. So the first game is slated to begin at 10 p.m. with the uh, other one at, uh, you know, at the end of the conclusion of that. So right around 1230 a.m. heading into late Friday morning. Uh, so the Gales are going to be the highlight here. They don't have any big wins on the resume, but they are very dangerous. Right now they have one of the best defenses in the country. They don't turn the ball over. They shoot well from the field. Almost 44% from three. They can't shoot free throws for some reason. Uh, only 65% there. But the Gales are part of a really good conference out there that Gonzaga's playing in. Obviously, the Zags, uh, the Gales. Um, Pepperdine has a number of, of good players on their particular squad. Um, I think Portland's in the mix there a little bit. Uh, BYU, still a good team. So the WCC West Coast Conference where Gonzaga plays and has a lot of late tips, could have a lot of really good basketball teams, anywhere from four to six competing for an NCAA tournament bid this year. And um, St. Mary's, the highlight, is going to be one of those teams. 
at 10:30. The 12th ranked Michigan State Spartans are three and one. They're hosting number 18 Alabama, who is four and zero. This is on ESPN, of course. Michigan State started outside of the top 25 and immediately started to shoot in there with a very difficult schedule. A near win over Gonzaga and then wins over Kentucky in overtime and over Villanova as well. They're 20th and 24th in pace of play, these two teams are. Alabama likes to keep their foot on the accelerator and shoot threes. Michigan State likes to uh, run the floor as well. It's been playing very well in transition. They're actually shooting better from the three-point line from Alabama right now, and they have fewer turnovers with the Tide averaging 17 per game. I like those numbers, so Michigan State could really pick up another big one here in the Phil Knight Invitational Late Night Game. So keep an eye on that for Sparty to pick up a third big win out of the first five games. That'd be just insane to push them probably into the top eight. And with the 12.30 a.m. tip time, the Phil Knight Legacy game uh, between Portland State, who's 2-2, two and two, and number 6 Gonzaga, who's 3-1 and one on ESPN. Again, I think that's right. ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. I'm one of the ESPN networks here. Of course, Gonzaga survived Michigan State. They were throttled at Texas as they were underdogs there. I think the first time they were underdogs on on the road in a non-top 25 matchup in like 10 years, something crazy, some weird stat behind that. Um, but they did lose at Texas and then they turn around and beat up Kentucky, who's still trying to get all its youth together. Oscar Shibwe, um, been banged up and kind of been playing rough on the defensive end. He certainly has the talent, but still getting back into function there. So they face planted uh, Kentucky there. Drew Timmy scoring 21 points per game. Julian Strother is scoring 15.5 and shooting 50% from three. Both are grabbing over seven and a half boards per game. So Gonzaga still not looking as elite. And as I stated, there's a number of great teams in that conference. So that could be very interesting to keep an eye on the Zags and what matchup they have each week to see if they might be on upset alert. Uh, So some good challenges there for that team coming up. Um, But this should not be one of them. But that is a late, late night game going on at 1230. And of course, the back half of the other Phil Knight, uh, the invitation will be going on. As well, we don't have that matchup quite slated. It'll be based on the results of the Wednesday games. So that is your full Wednesday slate. Of course, our normal three NFL games, one college football game, the Egg Bowl, a series of college basketball tournaments going on on the ESPN networks mostly, and the NBA is off until Friday. Rolling over onto Black Friday, we start with college basketball, which again tips at 1130 on the ESPN series of networks. So we'll have the Battle for Atlantis, which will be continuing BYU, Butler, Dayton, Kansas, NC State, Tennessee, USC, Wisconsin. So we'll see matchups from that continuing throughout throughout the entire day there. Uh, I believe it's the championship and, and obviously runner-up game. So it'd be nice to see Kansas, Tennessee, I think would be ideal there. Uh, but we'll see a nice mix of, of matchups from that. The ESPN Events Invitational will be continuing as well. Florida State, Memphis, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Old Miss, Seton Hall, Siena, and Stanford. Again, not quite as exciting that tournament, but a lot of uh, teams we could see around the bubble come NCAA tournament time and could play uh, a key role in uh, upsetting some of the upper-level teams in their uh, tournaments and um, conference play once that starts to come around. The Phil Knight Legacy and Invitational are going on. The PKL will have Duke, Florida, Gonzaga, Oregon State, Portland State, Purdue, West Virginia, and Xavier. Lots of great teams in that one. 
in the Invitationals, Alabama, Iowa State, Michigan State, North Carolina, Oregon, Portland, UConn, Villanova. All of those, again, across the ESPN networks, UN, which is news, I believe. Yeah, uh, ESPN and ESPN2 mixed in with some of the football games here throughout the day. So you'll get lots of great games there. Now, we do have like a dozen college football games going on. Some of them aren't really worth mentioning. We do have some MAC games going on between teams that won't be going bowling Arizona, 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 Arizona State will be playing. Not really worth mentioning that. Neither team will be going bowling. So starting at noon, we have probably our biggest game on the slate of the day. It's number 19, Tulane at 9-2 and two, and 9-2 and two Cincinnati, who's ranked 24th. They'll be hosting. This is on ABC. Now, a defensive battle here that will decide which team goes to the American Conference Championship game, assuming that Central Florida is able to beat up on Southern Florida on Saturday. Now, Cincinnati is a two-point favorite with a 46.5 over-under. Low scoring, just the home team favorite and kind of a coin flip game here. Now, Tulane exploded to score 59 on SMU last week. Cincinnati has scored 70 combined points in its three straight wins. It's been a, a bit of a struggle there to get points on the board for that team. Both teams are comparable on third down defense. The defenses are comparable all the way around. Uh, a few more yards uh, passing given up on the Tulane side, uh, but since he gives up a few more touchdowns in the red zone, while the Tulane forces a few more field goals and uh, just a lot of comparable stats all the way around. Now, Cincinnati's got a little bit of an edge. They hold uh, opposing quarterbacks to about 6 or 7% lower completion percentage, and they do have double the sack numbers, 33 to 17 against Tulane, so they're able to get a little bit more pressure there. That could be very much the difference. Now, the Green Wave prefer to run the ball anyways, while Cincinnati prefers to air it out a little bit. So where the damage is going to be done offensively may, may vary a little bit there. But this is, I mean, the line and the over-under are set perfectly so this really is like a coin flip game it's a should be a great watch a nice defensive battle between two good teams here again the winner uh, will go to the american conference championship game and the winner of the american conference then could potentially make a new year's six game it's not completely out of the out of the question there uh, notre dame will have a shot at it as well so it's still on the table so there's a lot of stakes for for these two clubs um, to move to 10 wins and, uh, I mean, a bowl game, uh, conference championship game, lots lots on the table for both of these two squads right now. Again, that's the noon ABC game. Also at noon on ESPN proper, I guess, the main ESPN network, uh, number 23, Texas is 7-4. and four. They're hosting Baylor, who is 6-5. Now, Baylor's best wins at this point are over a trio of 6-5 and five teams that they lined up and knocked down right in a row. Kansas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. They haven't been able to build off of the Big 12 championship appearance last year. They're really just playing for better bowl status here. Texas on the other side, they're 2-2 two and two in their last four games now. Ewe Ewers is completing 55% of his passes, just not good there. They fed Bijan Robinson the ball finally last week. He now is over 17 total, 1,700 total, 1700 total yards of offense and 18 total touchdowns on the season, and he's at Finally, as the season's coming to an end, being used as the workhorse that he should have been used as the entire season. So uh, Texas, you know, a favorite here by I think it's eight and a half at the moment right now. Could still be very interesting. Texas's defense is not anything particularly special this year. After all the talk and all the statements about how Texas would be back and they're building towards something. At the end of the year, this defense is going to settle towards one of the uh, lower half of the 
defenses nationally in, in most statistical categories. Again, this is a team that was not bowl eligible last year. They were 5-7, and seven, one of the worst secondaries in the country, and it's going to be a step up from last year's group, but it's just overall, in broad strokes, not a great defense. It's just not. There's lots of potential there, lots of great recruits. Arch Manning will be coming in next year, so hopefully this team continues to move on a good, positive, linear progression, and we see improvement, but this just wasn't going to be a 10-2 year for Texas. However, this particular ball game could be an interesting back and forth in the noon slot to kind of flip over if you want to see a little bit more action than a low-scoring Cincinnati-Tulane game. Kind of on the back burner, Boise State at 8-3 and three is hosting Utah State at 6-5. and five. This will be primetime CBS in the, at noon. Uh, Utah State is 5-1 and one in their past six, 5-2 in conference play overall. They don't have any stake in this game. Again, just playing for a better bowl game. Boise State is already locked into the Mountain West Conference Championship. Um, Utah State's on their fourth quarterback for this season, although he's got several games under his belt now. Boise State is fourth in defense nationally, third best offense in the Mountain West. They're going to be favorited big time here. They were lucky to get out against Wyoming last week, though. Just not a, a dominant team in any fashion, but they've been beating up on a lousy Mountain West here. So it might be a, a closer game, but Boise State should be expected to pull out here. Might get interesting, uh, nevertheless. Now, moving to kind of the afternoon collection of stuff, starting at 2 o'clock in college basketball. Now, this is squirreled away on ESPN+, Plus, but Davidson's 5-1. and one. They're hosting San Francisco, who's 6-0. and oh. These teams are 87th and 120th in Ken Palm. Uh, so nothing super jumping out on the page, but San Francisco plays in what should be a difficult WCC conference again. Gonzaga, Pepperdine, BYU, uh, St. Mary's. Now, the guards are combining for almost 30 points per game with uh, Khalil Shabazz shooting 46% from the floor, 39% from three. Tyrell Roberts shooting 51-44. and 44. Uh, Davison beat South Carolina, who might be one of the worst Power 5 teams, but it's still a Power 5 win. They're from the A-10, which is one of the better non-Power 5 conferences. Foster Lawyer, the former Spartan, is averaging 21.5 points per game and shooting 44.7% from three. So just a good collection of guards here and non-Power 5 teams that could potentially be uh, making some noise later in the season. So football picks up again at 3.30. Again, not a lot of super interesting high-stakes games per se, and really the human element comes in where you have to wonder how invested some of the kids are going to be in this game, more so than is the game strategy going to play out on the field? But North Carolina is 9-2. They'll be hosting NC State in the rivalry game. This is going to be the ABC game. Now, unfortunately, Drake May slipped up, had a rough game last week, and North Carolina took its second loss of the season. A tough one there. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites here. Uh, playoffs, again, out of the equation. Uh, it was going to be a long shot anyways. Committee clearly did not like what they saw from North Carolina. Although the schedule has not been difficult, they've been struggling to, to kind of pull games out. Nevertheless, NC State finally falling out of the top 25. Their offense has been struggling regardless of who's playing quarterback. Leary, of course, the senior, went down earlier in the season, unfortunately. MJ's back in there at quarterback. He's had a few a few good moments, but man, this team lost to Boston College a couple weeks ago and has really struggled North Carolina now. If Drake May isn't throwing five touchdowns a game, they're in trouble all the time. So, Two teams struggling in certain aspects here. Again, North Carolina favored by six and a half, but an interesting rivalry game here with uh, both teams going to bowl games. 
3.30 as well. CBS will play a real, real fun one. A 5-6 and six Missouri hosting Arkansas with 6-5. and five. Arkansas has played a brutal schedule. They've been banged up. They have a terrible secondary, but really get after the quarterback, create a lot of pressure. Hopefully, K.J. Jefferson will be good to go at the quarterback position for this one for the Razorbacks. Uh, it's been hit or miss, quite frankly. They are favored by three on the road. Missouri's had a lot of shots this year. It's kind of unbelievable it's gotten to this last game for them just to make a bull. They had a shot at Georgia. They had a shot at Auburn. They had a shot at a couple other teams. The defense is, is actually a pretty good group. The offense has been less impressive, and they're just fighting to make a bull game uh, and pick up a win here. At 4 o'clock on the Big Ten Network, Iowa is 7-4. and four. They're hosting Nebraska, who is 3-8. If Iowa wins, they'll take the Big Ten West, which is important to pretty much nobody. But uh, Casey Thompson's been back for Nebraska, so that's like an improvement from 150 yards offense per game to like 200 and a shot at covering a 14-point spread. So, That's something. Uh, Iowa in the championship game is not anything you really want to see. The West has been horrible this year, but Purdue is still in the mix. Illinois is still in the mix. I believe uh, Minnesota might be out of it, but just good Lord. Lots of good defenses and just putrid offenses, but Iowa can be back in the conference championship game where they could get wailed on by 30-plus again um, if they wrap it up here against Nebraska. 430. California's 4-7. and seven. They're hosting UCLA, who only fell a couple spots after their loss to Oregon, to the 18th spot, and they are 8-3. and three. This is on Fox. They are still playing for something. They can still make the Pac-12 championship game. A number of things would have to happen, basically everyone losing, but uh, they're still playing. They have to beat California. This is senior day for California. They're not going to a bowl game. It'd be great if they could pick up a win, but clearly things have not gone their way this season. So UCLA, uh, I'd expect to kind of beat the hell out of them here. But this game will be on Fox. And I want to note a couple games for college basketball at 4 o'clock. The Pac-12 network is grabbing Washington State at 2-2, two and two, hosting Detroit Mercy, who is 2-3. Why, when you're such a small school, would you travel across the country to play, I don't really know. But Anthony Davis is averaging over 24 points per game and entered the season 22nd on the all-time scoring list for college basketball. He's moved just ahead of Larry Bird in the last game into the 16th spot. Currently, he can move up into the 14th spot by my math if he just hits um, 24 more points as average in this game. That'll move him above Tyler Hasbro. So he'll be in the 15th spot. Um, Yeah, so he just has to hit his season average there. And he could also move into the fifth spot on the all-time three-point scoring list with uh, three more three-pointers. So if he continues to play out this season and he's hopefully healthy, he could realistically finish in the top five scoring leaders all-time, possibly make his way up to three or two. And I don't think he'll be the number one all-time three-point shooter. Maybe not number two. He should move ahead of J.J. Redick at three, though. So he should be top five, maybe even top three in all-time scores and three-point shooters as far as makes in um, college basketball history. So just worth noting that because a lot of their games are completely buried on ESPN+. I don't even know if some of them make it on TV. This isn't much better. It's the Pac-12 network against a not-very-good Washington State team. But just worth noting that. Also at four o'clock, Notre Dame is five and zero, and they're playing St. Bonaventure, who's three and two. This is buried on ESPN Plus. 
If you want to get your peepers on star freshman J.J. Sterling, who's averaging 11.8 points per game on a senior-led team and a group that'll possibly be like a first-four team this March, then proceeds to destroy your brackets as they knock off teams that they shouldn't, this could be a candidate in a really weak ACC you know, conference here where we're seeing Louisville lose games they shouldn't and Florida State lose games they shouldn't, and it's just gross. It's just gross. It's Duke. It's North Carolina winning unimpressively. It's Virginia looking really good. Ken Palm actually stated in an interview that he his metrics actually had Virginia listed somewhere in the top five or like top two teams in the country at one point in his preseason rankings. And he said, there's no way they're going to finish that high. I have to manually address them, adjust to put them much lower. Um, I believe they're in his top 25. I have the poll up on my social media and they're nowhere near that for the AP or the coaches poll or anything like that. Yet here they are. They won back-to-back games over Baylor and Illinois, a top five and top 10 win in whatever tournament they were in earlier this week. So Virginia's looking good. Um, but the ACC, tough drag there. And uh, Notre Dame, 5-0 and so far and less than impressive wins. But a nice freshman there, a nice senior group um, that could possibly make some noise once they hit conference play. Moving if, into uh, evening hours. At 7 o'clock, college basketball again, CBS Sports Network. Clemson's 4-1. and They're hosting number 25, Iowa, who's 4-0. and This is the Emerald Coastal, Emerald Coast Classic, Emerald Coast Classic. Emerald Coastal Classic, something like that. Anyways, not great teams playing in it. These are some of the best two. Iowa crushed Seton Hall so far this year. Clemson took a iffy loss to South Carolina. Chase Hunter shooting over 60% from three and 50% from the field for 16 points per game. He will try to lean upset against the Hawkeyes, who've been shooting 50, 39, 76. That's 50% from the field, 39% from three, 76% from the free throw line. Chris Murray has stepped up into the new superstar role for the Hawkeyes after Luke Garza and Keegan Murray. He's averaging 23.8 points per game, 8 rebounds, and 62, 47, 100% shooting uh, from the field, 3 and free throw lines. Um, So a a nice little nugget there of college basketball in the late slot. At 7.30, Florida State is ranked 16th. They're 8-3. They're hosting Florida, who's 6-5. This is on ABC. Florida State, almost 10-point favorites here at 9.5, and and they're putting up a boatload of points. Jordan Travis has looked great, and they've been rolling over kind of the middle group of the ACC in football, which has also looked like trash, quite frankly. Not a lot of offenses doing well there either, but this is a top-five offense for the Seminoles. And, uh, man, Anthony Richardson looks like he's starting to progress a little bit as an actual thrower of the football Put up 400 yards last week in a losing effort. Looked really good against Texas A&M the week before that in a winning effort, although Texas A&M had, had no roster. So will his positive progressions actually lead to wins over good teams? Uh, that hasn't <laughs> that literally hasn't happened yet. We had good games that result in losses and good games that result in wins over bad football teams. That's what we've had so far as they lost to Vandy last week. That's what it was. Didn't have it at the top of my head here. So it's just tough, 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 tough. They have a good ground game, a couple good backs there. Uh, this could be a, a good matchup. This will be a fun one. I'll certainly have this on amongst everything else that's going on. Uh, Florida, Florida State, ABC 730. Moving into the, uh, actually, let's touch on the NBA here. Uh, it's difficult to, to, to kind of, cover that from from my perspective as you can only really watch these games on NBA League Pass 
outside of the uh, regional and national broadcasts. But just for touching on real quick as they do get back to action, there's a slew of decent 8 o'clock games. The Celtics at 13-4 and four will be hosting the Sacramento Kings at 10-6. and six. At the point of this recording, they've won seven straight, but they do play Atlanta the day before Thanksgiving. A good run for that particular group and a good matchup for the Celtics and Jason Tatum, who's been white hot recently. The Pacers are 10-6, another surprise team there. They'll be hosting the Brooklyn Nets, who are 8-10. Ben Simmons has finally got a pulse here, putting up a number of different numbers and being a real contributor to that ball club. Kyrie Irving should be back as well. I think he's been back. Uh, also at 8 o'clock, the Heat are 6-4 and four at home this year. They're 1-7 and seven on the road. Thankfully, they'll be at home here, hosting the Wizards, who are 10-7. and seven. Bradley Beal trying to lead a nice group there into town. Also on NBA TV, we'll have the Grizzlies at 10-8. and eight. They've been banged up. John Morant is back. We should have Zion Williams for the Pelicans, who will be uh, coming into town there at 10-7. and seven. They'll be playing. And then the Bucks at 12-4. and four. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, we have a lot of guys who are potential MVP winners this year. It's kind of a wide-open race, but Steph Curry has really been pushing the Warriors who've been struggling. Giannis, of course, they're still missing Chris Middleton for that team, has been guiding that particular squad. Luka has been dragging the corpse, uh, the, the bodies, just hanging out uh, of the uh, Dallas Mavericks. So a lot of guys in the mix there that are just they have to be the focal point of their particular teams. But Giannis here, uh, amongst my rambling, hosting the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, who are 11-6. and six. They've lost uh, a handful of games in the middle here since they started out real hot, but they've won three straight at this particular point. They do play the Trail Blazers on uh, Wednesday, so things might have changed since then. But they started to pick it up a little bit here. But a lot of good games. Uh, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander could also be receiving MVP votes. Over 31 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 6 assists. He can't be stopped. He can't be stopped. The Thunder are 7-10. and 10. They have guys going in and out of the lineup, but Shea, doesn't matter who's playing with them. He's he's very dangerous. They're hosting the Bulls, who've been struggling a little bit. They're 7-10 and 10 as well, um, but obviously how you weigh those records are, are very different um, against expectations. Then heading into the uh, night slate here, we do have the 8-10 and 10 Warriors who are 7-1 at home, and they'll be hosting the upstart Jazz, who are 12-7. They are 6-6 six six on away games, so a little feisty here. Uh, of course, the marketing has been one of the step-up guys here. 22 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, and it's looked like more of a, a real standout star, I dare say, than a kind of a, a back back of the bus uh, contributor, just kind of, hey, I'm here at the end of the bench, hanging out, waving my hand, put me in, coach, and has been really a, a focal point for that Utah Jazz team, which is well coached and uh, just doing a great job. The last football game worth pointing out is at 10 o'clock. That's Fresno State, who's 7-4, and four, hosting Wyoming, who's 7-4 and four on FS1. Now, Fresno State has already locked up its spot in the Mountain West Conference Championship as well against Boise State. And Boise State got there uh, by beating Wyoming on that crazy set of circumstances uh, that I mentioned earlier on the first part of the podcast earlier this week. Uh, three turnovers at the end of that game as Wyoming really put themselves in a hole and uh, just couldn't couldn't upset Boise State to possibly put themselves in the conference championship game. Now, Wyoming can run the ball. They do a decent job stopping the run. They can get after the quarterback a little bit, but they're not even in that top half of the Mountain West, let alone the country, you know, 
tend to look at those statistics first, but in the Mountain West, they're not even top half in a lot of statistical categories. Fresno has the number one offense in the conference. They already have that spot locked up, but uh, could be an interesting game if they don't quite have their foot to the pedal, but that doesn't always make for the best football either. Close football, entertaining football is not the same as good football. Fresno is favored by 15 here. That is a late night game, FS1, Wyoming, and Fresno. So keep an eye, though. Jake Hainer, good quarterback there for Fresno. Future NFL guy, I don't know. Again, we say that about like 20 guys every year, and like six guys get drafted and two guys pan out. So, But just worth mentioning, the Fresno State QB there. Touching on Saturday, we're obviously going to have a thinner college football slate. We have a little bit of college basketball going on, but nothing really of note. Uh, Only two ranked teams are playing and um, a couple lower level tournaments. Not a lot of big teams in those, so not a lot to mention on the college basketball side. And there's a few NBA games going on. So starting with college football, the prime animal this Saturday, of course. So at noon, of course, the big game, number three, Michigan, number two, Ohio State, both 11 and 0. This will be the big Fox game. The top game on the slate besides USC and Notre Dame in the evening. Those are your two top watches. Now, both squads have been dealing with a slew of injuries. It's possible that Michigan might have sat some guys out that probably could have gone last week against Maryland, or excuse me, against Illinois and possibly uh, just kind of rested guys out a little bit um, for the Ohio State game here. Uh, The Buckeyes are favored by 7.5 at home. If you remember, they went to Ann Arbor and were ran through last season. I don't quite expect to see that this year. I wouldn't wouldn't think that's quite going to be the case. Um, The defense was a problem for Ohio State last season. That's why they brought in a new defensive coordinator. Now, J.J. McCarthy is going to be, I think, the main problem for Michigan. He hasn't done much this season. I think the team would still have gotten to the same result record-wise if they still had Cade McNamara back there at quarterback. Personally, J.J. McCarthy is supposed to kind of raise the ceiling for this team in terms of his talent, and it's certainly there, but he just hasn't had to show it this this season against any of their opponents. And um, it's just, I I don't know what's going to happen if they play Ohio State here and he has to throw the ball like 30 times. He's only averaging like 22 passing attempts per game as it is. Obviously, they've been able to rely on the ground game, but this just hasn't really been a game script where he's had to put the ball in the air multiple times and complete difficult passes, let alone the difficulties he's had completing some of the open intermediate throws. So I just don't know what is going to be demanded of him here. Corum in Blake Corum and uh, Edwards, the running backs, I assume they'll be ready to go here for the ball game. If they're not, it's going to be a hell of a time here uh, against Ohio State. The Buckeyes, I don't think they need all their running backs healthy. They have three legitimate guys that are horses ready to go. Uh, the freshman here, Darren Williams. No, Trevian Williams. Uh, Darren, you know, the Darren freshman kid was ready to go this past week against Maryland and did just fine. Uh, the passing game is going to be the main weapon there for that particular team. Will some of these other guys be able to to step up is the main thing. Marvin Harris Jr. will obviously be limited as best as the uh, Michigan Wolverines can do there. 
We've obviously seen both of these teams struggle this season with inferior opponents. Uh, there's been a lot of nitpicking on Ohio State in particular and how they only managed to get by Northwestern in the uh, crazy wind that they had there by a couple of touchdowns and how they only managed to kind of escape Notre Dame early on. But man, going through Michigan's schedule in particular as well, they had some some close games. Obviously, the non-conference schedule has been nitpicked to death. A number of their games, they barely got through Maryland as well uh, early in the season. Took them a while to get started against a horrible Rutgers team in Indiana, um, Nebraska. That that was a little better, but it just took them took them a while to get started against these teams. And uh, I just not sure what we're going to get coming this Saturday, but it should be a good football game. The point is, neither team's been particularly challenged. They both took on Penn State and beat them. And that's about all I've had on the schedule the entire season. So we've had a number of really bad offenses that haven't really challenged these defenses. And health has been a concern. So it may be a bit of a chess match each quarter, each drive uh, for this particular ball game. And the loser may still not be out of the playoffs. So just keep that in mind as well. But just a great game to have on at noon to be ready and armed for as a great showdown here. Uh, ESPN had a great piece on the helmet decals for both um, teams on their homepage as well, which was really great to kind of scroll through and see that that piece on these squads as well. So another epic game. We haven't seen number one, uh, excuse me, number two and three play uh, this high up in this particular matchup since they were number one and two in 2006 when Troy Smith, Chad Henney, um, Mike Hart were part of it. That was just a, a phenomenal game there where Ohio State pulled out ahead and was eventually mashed in the national championship game by Tim Tebow and the Florida Gators. So just great to have another high-profile game in this rivalry. A few other games in the noon slot. Number one, Georgia is 11-0, obviously. They'll be hosting Georgia Tech, who's 5-6 and six on ESPN. Georgia Tech, surprisingly, in a position to make it to a bowl game. They've been playing musical quarterback there, musical head coach at this particular point. So they'll have to beat Georgia to make it to a bowl game. Obviously not looking very promising there. The Bulldogs favored by multiple touchdowns. They're just trying to uh, make sure that they win the game and scamper on into the uh, SEC championship game there. But that is on ESPN. South Carolina, 7-4. They're heading on the road to play number 8 Clemson, who is 10-1 on ABC. Now, Clemson is favored by 10.5 here. No, 14.5 here, uh, just over a couple touchdowns. South Carolina, of course, fired up and punched the hell out of Tennessee last week. At home, their places can be very difficult to play. But taking that on the road and uh, after the just weird whacked-out game they had last, uh, last week is going to be tough for them to just go and beat Clemson in Death Valley. Again, noon a noon kickoff game there for uh, for Clemson's very different than a night game at Death Valley, but still I I don't know if this is necessarily a spot for Clemson to be an upset watch. Also at noon, Oklahoma State 7 and 4, they're hosting West Virginia who's 4 and 7. This is ESPN2. West Virginia already knows they're not going to a bowl game. They're trying out different quarterbacks there. The coach hopes to keep his job. Oklahoma State's really died on a vine. Um, but just uh, worth noting there, that maybe could be an interesting game. Maybe not. Maryland, 6-5. and five. They're hosting Rutgers at 4-7 and seven on the Big Ten Network. The statuses for these teams' bowl eligibility has already been decided. Tulia might be out. 
So not a whole lot of excitement there. If Tule is able to play, uh, Maryland can be pretty fun to watch and Rutgers is a formidable defense, but um, otherwise not, not much worth seeing there. Now, James Madison, seven and three, they're hosting Coastal Carolina, who's nine and one on ESPNU. Uh, these teams both competing for a Sunbelt spot still. James Madison's favored by almost two touchdowns. It's a shame. Uh, McCall is out for Coastal Carolina at the quarterback position. He hopes to make it back for a bowl game. He will miss this game and possibly the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, but not a bad battle with stakes for those two ball clubs there. South Alabama's 9-2. They're hosting Old Dominion, who's 3-8 on ESPN+. Now, South Alabama can also still make the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. If you remember, they almost beat UCLA earlier in the season. And Old Dominion, on the other hand, has three wins at 9-1 Coastal Carolina against Power 5 Virginia Tech, even if they suck. Uh, So that's two of the wins for that particular club. So it's just kind of weird to see where these teams are at now. And South Alabama will be heavily favored. They got a good defensive group there, but they still have stakes in trying to get to the championship game for the Sunbelt Conference there. And finally, uh, almost not worth mentioning, but CBS Sports Network at noon, Florida Atlantic, the Owls are 5-6, and hoping to make a bowl game. They're playing against Western Kentucky, who's 7-5. and five. Great club there with a great, potent offense. But they will be going on the road against the Owls, fighting to make a bowl game. And at 1 o'clock, Kent State's 4-7. and seven. They're heading to Buffalo to play the Bulls, who are 5-5 five and five on ESPN+. The Bulls also fighting for a bowl game there. Kent State has a lot of talent and skill position players. Buffalo good on the defensive side of the ball. They're favored by four points at home, but just a Mac club trying to get into a bowl game there. Kent State, this is the last game of their season. So all said, really, Michigan-Ohio State is the top game, obviously, for that noon slate. And kind of a lot of everything else is kind of regulated to, to kind of an afterthought there. Unfortunately, the afternoon kind of designated area here. Two o'clock, Rice is five and six. They're playing at North Texas, who's six and five on ESPN Plus. North Texas already going to a bowl game. Rice, the Owls, after a great start, have fizzled out. They're trying to uh, to make it their level. Have to win on the road against a really great offense in North Texas. And uh, that doesn't look so good there, but they still have a chance. North Texas can still make this Conference USA championship game. So they, they need to win as well. So stakes on that game for both sides. Three o'clock. Now Kentucky six and five. They're hosting now number twenty-five Louisville, who is seven and four on the SEC network. Somehow Louisville turned into the better ball club at the end of the year. You would not have thought that early in the season. Kentucky is two and seven in the last seven. Louisville is five and one in the last six. The offense has not been good for Louisville, but they're returning kicks for touchdowns, scoring defensive touchdowns. They forced 19 turnovers and had 24 sacks during that stretch. They now lead the country in sacks, and Kentucky has just kind of fallen apart, per se, or not really improved, I guess is the better way of saying it. Will Levis, is he still an NFL quarterback? The offensive line has fallen apart. Chris Rodriguez is getting stacked boxes against him on the offensive side. The defense isn't atrocious. This is going to be a low-scoring rock fight in a rivalry game here. But Louisville clearly looks like the better football team here. 3 o'clock, Arkansas State's 3-8. and eight. Not very exciting. They're hosting Troy, who's 9-2. and two. Troy, the other team still involved in the Sun Belt race, along with Coastal Carolina, South Alabama, and James Madison. So several teams still involved in that fight, and they have to win on the road there to have a shot still. 
3.30, the Iron Bowl is going to get a lot of talk on CBS. Alabama's number seven. Auburn unranked, and they need the win just to make a bowl game. There's a lot of talk that Lane Kiffin is going to take that Auburn job. Actually, since I recorded the first section of this particular podcast, it's becoming more and more prevalent that he's going to take the job Friday after the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving Thursday. So just there's going to be a lot of talk that Auburn, oh, it's a big rivalry game. They can pull the upset. Alabama doesn't have a lot of motivation anymore to win these games. They just want to make it to a bowl game and end the season. And some guys will go to the NFL. Other guys will get ready for next year. It's not the type of season I think a whole bunch of guys are going to hit the transfer portal for Alabama. But Auburn's about tucked it in. And I just, I think this is going to be a low scoring, smothering by Alabama, like a 24 to 3 type of game. So I don't expect much from this. 330, Oregon State's 21. Oregon is number nine. A one game difference between the two. Oregon State's eight and three. Oregon is nine and two. This is on ABC. Oregon State is five and one in their last six games, and they've been crushing really the bad teams in the Pac 12. 31 to seven over Arizona State. 38 to 10 over Cal. 24 to 10 over Washington State. 42 to nine over Colorado. They did lose 24 to 10, 24 to 21 to Washington, and 17 to 14 to USC. So field goal games there. They did get rolled up 42 to 16 at Utah two months ago. That was the only blowout loss they've suffered this season. Damian Martinez has been the recipient of a lot of the offensive production, just turning around and handing the ball off to him. They switched quarterbacks around there. So the offense is not the uh, side that's winning the winning for the team here. Now, Oregon won a real slosher, of course, last week against Utah. Six total turnovers in that game, three on each side. And um, Bo Nix, not great. One rush, the fourth down conversion to win the football game and run out the clock. Is he going to be healthy? We don't really know, um, but he's going to have to be in order to, to kind of win here. This is a three-point game, uh, three-point spread for Oregon on the road here. And this is going to be a really fun good football game. Uh, one of the few that doesn't have really big stakes tied to it. Oregon could still make the Pac-12 game, championship game, but still could a lot of teams. So if they win, it still could be in. Oregon could still pull the upset. Um, they just want to win for the for the rivalry sake. They're both making bowl games, obviously. But this is a sneaky good game on the Saturday slate at 3.30 on ABC. After that, it's unfortunate because it's the last regular season week, but there's a lot of games here. Uh, Northwestern's 1-10. They're hosting Illinois, who's 7-4 at 3.30. I don't have a network listed for this at the particular time. Illinois could still win the conference. Or excuse me, still win the Big 12 West. I guess still win the conference. So they're still in play. They need a number of things to happen. Northwestern obviously still hasn't won a game in the United States. Um, also at 3.30, Wisconsin 6-5, hosting Minnesota, who's 7-4 on ESPN. Uh, who's healthy? I don't know which quarterback's going to show up, but just... Bad. Also, three thirty. Indiana four and seven hosting Purdue, who's seven and four on the Big Ten Network. Purdue still in play for the Big Ten West. Maybe Aiden uh, O'Connell there will have a good game for Purdue. He should against Indiana. Maybe he won't. This is Indiana Super Bowl. If Purdue wins this game and Iowa loses, Purdue will go to the Big Ten Championship game. Now Wake Forest also plays at three thirty. They're seven and four now. Same record as Duke, who they're on the road playing. They're favored by three and a half. Two teams. Uh, now Duke, quite frankly, has played quite well, but they started six and zero oh on the season, so they're actually taking the elevator down after a great start. 
and Wake Forest has not been in the ACC picture, unfortunately, as of late. Sam Hartman is leaving after this season. I believe he's out of eligibility, and um, I don't know the Wake Forest fans are, are super sad to see him go at this particular point. Good guy, performed well over the years, and uh, a great story in him coming back to play after an injury this season, but oh man, it's rough year. I don't have a network listed for this yet. 3.30 as well, Memphis at 6-5 and five at SMU, who's 6-5, and five. no network yet. SMU's favored by 4.5 at home. 71.5 point over under, lots of points, lots of offense, just going to be throwing the ball all over the place. Maybe we'll get another 120-point game out of the American Conference here. In Conference USA action, Louisiana Tech's 3-8. They're hosting the UAB Blazers, who are 5-6 and six on the CBS Sports Network. The Blazers, not a bad ball club at all, one of the best rushers in McBride in the country, but they are just hoping to make a bowl game. they got to win on the road. UTEP is 5-6. and six. They're playing UTSA on the road. The uh, Roadrunners are 9-2. UTEP trying to make a bowl game uh, for back-to-back seasons for the first time in 10 years, I believe. So the Miners here need a big win over the best team in Conference USA. They already have a spot in the championship game. And Frank Harris, underrated quarterback, maybe a late-rounder in the NFL. Just saying, a lot of talent on the offensive side for UTSA. Just just saying, if you don't, don't check them now, I understand that, but uh, a bowl game maybe. See what bowl game UTSA is hitting up there. That's 3.30. I don't have a network yet. 4 o'clock, Iowa State's 4-7. and seven. At number four, TCU, who's 11-0 on Fox. TCU, nine-and-a-half-point favorites here. I don't know how Iowa State's going to score any points. They've played nine games against Power 5 teams this season, and only three times have they put more than two touchdowns on the board, more than 14 points, one-third of the time. And they've played some pretty bad defenses. Kansas, Texas is not very good. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at this particular point, and TCU, for all its flaws, like I don't know how Iowa State's just going to beat them, (laughs) quite frankly. Now, Iowa State has also had seven of these games played within one possession, so they're able to keep it close, certainly. But TCU has also beaten all of these teams and done it pretty handily most of the time. And it looks like they're continuing to improve, which you can't always say for teams moving forward throughout the year, that it's a linear progression upwards. So TCU's looked better and better. Iowa State's not necessarily trending in that particular direction. It's hard to see an upset. I'll still be watching it. You probably will be too to see if there's a possible upset in the cards. Special teams, things happen. Defensive touchdowns happen. But this is just an extremely unlikely upset at this particular point. Also at 4 o'clock, number 14, Utah is 8-3. They'll be playing at Colorado, who's 1-10. This is uh, the Pac-12 network game, so not missing a whole lot there. Utah hoping to bounce back after a horrible game for Cam Rising last week in that uh, Oregon game. So it would be nice for Utah to close out a win there to go 9-3. Penn State is looking to close out its year as the number 11 ranked team right now. They're 9-2 with a couple of great ranked tailbacks. Uh, Not ranked tailbacks. A couple of great young tailbacks there. They're hosting Michigan State, who's 5-6. And now needs a bowl win to, uh, win to make a bowl game on FS1. Now, Michigan State lost to Indiana at home last week, one of the easiest appoint, uh, opponents on its schedule altogether outside of the two MAC openers, Western Michigan and Akron. So just a bad, bad, bad loss there. 
Uh, charges have just been officially filed uh, by the district attorney's office against, uh, what was it, seven players from the Michigan Tunnel incident. It's just a catastrophe for Michigan State at this particular point, and um, their season's probably over here at Penn State. Bert. Evening slot starts with a well with NBA action at five o'clock. Actually, the Mavericks are nine and seven at the time of recording here, and they're playing the Raptors, who are nine and eight. That'll of course be a league pass game, unfortunately, or local broadcast. So Luka Doncic there taking his battle, his uh, possible MVP candidate, dragging that team to Toronto to try and win a good defensive team there. In college football at five o'clock. We have a spattering of games here. Southern Miss is trying to make a bowl game, five and six, playing on the road at Louisiana Monroe, who's four and seven on ESPN Plus. Louisiana, uh, just normal Louisiana University, at five and six, will be playing at Texas State, who's four and seven on ESPN Plus. They'll be trying to make a bowl game at six. Appalachian State got stuck at six and five this year. You thought they'd be pushing for ten wins. That is not the case. They're playing at Georgia Southern, who's five and six on ESPN Plus. A very good offensive team, Georgia Southern is. They beat Nebraska early in the year. Defense is a bit of a problem for that particular squad. They're trying to make a bowl game by beating Appalachian State. 7 o'clock, number 5, LSU is 9-2 at Texas A&M, who's 4-7. This is on ESPN. A shocker to see LSU ranked 5th in the polls ahead of USC. Then we had uh, Alabama and then uh, Clemson ranked further down. So it's just shocking to see a two-loss team right on the doorstep. Of course, there's plenty of opportunity for them to fall out. They'll have to play Georgia in the SEC championship game. And uh, Clemson might have an opportunity to jump as well as U- as USC. But just shocking to see the committee rank them that highly. And extremely frustrating for anyone who's watched these games this year to have a two-loss team that high up. Um, Texas A&M was the heavily favored team coming into this matchup last season. And Ed Ogeron, the LSU Tigers, were not going to a bowl game. They were the heavy underdog coming in, and they won for Coach O. A dead man walking in that position already knew he was getting fired, and the Tigers pulled a big upset. Wouldn't it be something if the Tigers headed into College Station and the Aggies somehow managed an upset in a reverse role this particular year? That'd really be something. Don't think it's going to happen. Uh, We've already got guys entering the transfer portal for Texas A&M. There's big rumors that maybe Jimbo will actually get bought out. Not sure it's going to happen with his massive contract. LSU only favored by 10 on the road. That goes to show you kind of what the odds makers are saying, that this is just not the explosive runaway team that the committee is giving them credit for because any, I think any other big team, even a Tennessee team with a backup right now in Joe Milton would be favored by a significantly larger margin by this Texas A&M team who had like 10 people in the stands by halftime last week and barely beat uh, UMass. So I just think it's wild um, that that it's just wild all the way around to only have a 10 point margin on this game. But that's what we're sitting at right now in this game. Lucky for everyone will be on ESPN. So your little peepers can uh, can get a whiff of this disgustingness. Also at seven o'clock, South Florida, one in 10. They'll be hosting number 22, Central Florida, who's eight and three. ESPN2 if the Knights go on the road here and win against South Florida, which has been a little frisky with a couple teams this year, keeping it close, but have now fired the coaching staff and the season's a wrap. Um, All Central Florida needs to do is win to make the American Conference Championship game, and they'll get the winner of Cincinnati and Tulane. If they lose, things get a little bit more um, hectic there. King of Tennessee and Joe Milton, unfortunately, 
Hendon Hooker season is done. It'll be interesting to see where he's uh, speculated at, at going in the uh, NFL draft. But they're 14-point favorites on the road at Vanderbilt, the Vols are. Uh, Vandy looking for a win to make a bowl game. How crazy is that? They've got two SEC wins over Florida and over Kentucky. Um, not much else to say about this. It's on the SEC network. Vanderbilt is not particularly great in a number of different areas, but they've they've managed to pull some wins over teams that have been struggling. Tennessee now fits that category. Just saying. At 7:30, FS1 will have a couple of six and five teams out of the Big 12. Oklahoma, Texas Tech. Now both of these teams obviously have bull bids locked up. Not playing for a whole lot here. Um, Oklahoma seems to be improving a little bit on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe can still put up some points with Dylan Gabriel and uh, Mims on the uh, the receiver on the other side there. Uh, a good group there for Oklahoma. Texas Tech, again, I don't know who's quarterbacking at this particular time. And uh, the defense is just criminally underrated. It'd be nice if they could find a solid quarterback there for the offensive side, even if they don't always have the uh, skill position players. But they love to run as many plays as possible, and they love to put the ball up in the air. And um, just a, a fun team to watch. This will honestly just be a fun game without a lot of stakes tied in. Also at 7.30, Houston 7-4. and four. They're hosting Tulsa, who's 4-7. and seven. This is on ESPNU. Tulsa's season's obviously done. Uh, they might be, you know, not putting forth the best effort here either. But uh, Houston, I believe, they're technically not out of the American Conference race yet, I don't believe. Um, they could still win it. Tough season for those guys. Tune, top quarterback there. Um, they could be interesting come bowl season as well. 7.30 now. The other game that's really uh, key on the radar here, obviously, number 15, Notre Dame at 8-3, uh, playing at USC, going across country here. Uh, number 6, USC, who's 10-1 on ABC. Now, there's going to be a narrative here that, oh, if Notre Dame can just run the ball, control the clock, they could pull an upset. It's not too far-fetched. And that could certainly happen. That's what we say about teams that have horrible quarterback play and still have a winning record. Oh, they must win with defense and running the football. And that's not a lie here with, with Notre Dame, certainly. Um, USC's defense, 102nd in rushing, 110th in yards per play. They give up a lot. Notre Dame's defense really isn't quite as good as you think, particularly on the ground. Uh, and USC could certainly run the ball as well, although a die is out. Um, that's caused some problems to transfer. But they, they seem to have a lot of talent and... Um, they seem to have plenty of guys that could fill in at the uh, position there. So I think that USC can run the ball should they want to, and they can still throw it and push that uh, Notre Dame defense and secondary around as well. Now, special teams. Notre Dame does have seven blocked punts this season. They've been particularly good on that side. Uh, USC's defense has led the country in interceptions and is tied with Notre Dame for 12th in sacks. So they can do plenty, even if they're giving up yardage, and possibly points. If the quarterback back there, Payne, who has struggled, is uh, not perfect, then USC can certainly take advantage on the defensive side as well. At Notre Dame only allowing 56% completion percentage from opposing quarterbacks and 3.8 yards per carry. USC is allowing 68 percentage and 4.6 yards per carry, again, leading to that horrid defense. But again, they can force turnovers. They can get pressure. That's how they've been winning all year, and I'm not sure that Notre Dame on the defensive end can do enough to slow down Caleb Williams. And again, I think the defense is not comparable, but Notre Dame is going to have to play perfect. They're going to have to not turn the ball over, 
and their defense is going to have to do it enough to not to just slow down, but close the gap between what their offense is going to be able to do and what USC is going to be able to do. And I just do not quite see it. The line is USC minus five right now. We'll certainly see if the Irish can can bounce back here. They still have a New Year's Day bowl game uh, on the table here. They can still finish in the top 10 at the end of the year, which is wild with a one and two start that they had with losses to Ohio State and Marshall. And uh, USC, again, a national championship and playoff berth still, still in sight. So big stakes on this game. And this one, USC, Notre Dame, and Michigan, Ohio State are going to be the two big games on Saturday for college football. Also in the 8 o'clock hole, number 12, Kansas State's 8-3. and three. They're hosting Kansas, who is 6-5. That is the That is not the Apple Cup. That is the something cup. Uh, it's on Fox. Kansas State is favored by 12. Again, there's been a good job done by Howard, a quarterback there uh, with Adrian Martinez out. I believe he's still slotted to be in the ball game here. And Kansas State could still finish with 10 wins. Uh, if you remember in the preseason, there's a lot of talk about who would finish atop of the Big 12. Would it be uh, Baylor again or Oklahoma State who made the Big 12 championship game last year? Would Oklahoma be back up there? Would Texas finally be in the mix? And kind of dark horses were Kansas State and TCU. And those two teams could very well be in the championship game. So kind of sneakers there. Jalen Daniels back with uh, Kansas. Hopefully he'll have uh, a nice game. It'll be great to see him back in the fold. But again, he doesn't play defense, and that's been the problem for the Jayhawks. Could be a lot of points here. Again, one of the games without a lot of stakes on it, but one of the best entertainment value Flip on your TV and watch the game views of the day. Also at eight o'clock, the ACC network will have Miami at five and six hosting Pitt, who is seven and four. Pittsburgh almost a touchdown favorite, six and a half. Now this won't mean much to many people, but Pitt had a ch- has a chance here to move to eight and four, possibly nine wins after a bowl game and five and three in conference play. A winning record in the ACC after a rough year where they probably transferred in the wrong quarterback, quite frankly, for the position there. Having to rely on the ground game, which is exactly what Pat Marduzzi wanted to do uh, with Israel, the running back there, who was a great decision. But they were nowhere near competitive in a very winnable ACC. This game is um, going to be big. 7-5 and five and 500 in conference play is a far different look for them than if they lost. Um, on the other hand, Miami would like to just get to 500, make a bowl game, get through the off season, the turnover, a reboot to next season. Um, we still have, you know, LSU, Oregon, TCU, USC with major coaching changes and program changes who had great seasons this year. Canes were the odd man out in that equation. And Mario Cristobal really just kind of wants to get this season over with. But they making a bowl game would be a big, I think, a big difference. Just being able to say we made kind of the postseason. And uh, so this this kind of matters for both of these teams here. Heading in towards the later night on Saturday, the Rockets at 3-14 and 14 of Houston. They'll be hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder at 7-10 and 10 at this particular time at 8 o'clock on NBA TV. A little bit more accessible basketball game there. A chance to see uh, Shea Gildress-Alexander and the Rockets moving forward there as well. A team still rebuilding, of course. Um, good shooting, good scoring, good young guys, and uh, a superstar blooming there and Shea Gildress on the Thunder side, of course. Nine o'clock will have the Jazz at twelve and seven, at the Suns who are currently eleven and six. This is on NBA League Pass, unfortunately, um, but the Suns continue to move forward and look like a, a team that can make it back to the NBA Finals. The Jazz, um, 
statistically uh, have a good chance to actually make the playoffs at this particular point. Now, some of the statistics that say they have this kind of start um, don't include the play-in tournament, but um, they have a good chance to actually make the playoffs at this particular point. Um, good team there. Uh, there are a lot of college basketball games, again, but no major major matchups. Um, so there'll be different stuff throughout the day, as I mentioned earlier. The late-night slate uh, for college football. 9 o'clock, Air Force is 8-3 and three at San Diego State, who's 7-4 and four on the CBS Sports Network. Not a big game here. Again, the Mountain West has really struggled. And this should be a super low-scoring game between two uh, defensive, defensive-tested teams for sure. 10:30, you have something a little bit more interested, particularly on the back end here. ESPN will have Washington State at seven and four, hosting number 13 Washington at nine and two in the Apple Cup. I got that one right. Uh, Washington's a two and a half point favorite on the road. For Washington State, you have to wonder if the uh, Cameron Ward experiment should be considered a success, bringing him up from Incarnate Word to join him with his offensive coordinator who came up a couple years ago um, to possibly move to 8-4 and four here in conference play, maybe nine wins after a bowl game. Um, and he's been the focal point of the team. The defense has been a solid group in, in broad strokes all the way around, one of the better in the Pac-12. The offense has relied pretty much on what he's able to do, and that's been losing in big football games, unfortunately, including a game where they had Oregon put away and just completely collapsed in a double-digit lead in the last four minutes of that particular game. They'll have a shot to redeem themselves here. Washington, mathematically, is not out of the Pac-12 championship, I don't believe. I mean, it it would take everyone else to lose um, for them to have a pathway, but they're not out of it. Again, Michael Penix, I believe, is still leading the country in passing yardage. Surprisingly, they just won a chunk of games in the middle of the year, and here we are, a 9-2 Washington team. Looking very good, very sharp. Still a New Year's Day 6 um, bowl game on the schedule and a uh, very potent offense. This should be a good game, like a really good football game. 10.30 ESPN, Washington, Washington State in the Apple Cup. And finally, at 11 o'clock at night on FS1, Stanford at 3-8 and eight will mercifully see their season come to an end as they host BYU, who is 6-5. BYU is 6.5 point favorites here. Stanford will be sending Tanner McGee off to the NFL. We'll see if he gets drafted. Again, another quarterback that came in with NFL expectations. Don't know that he really showed much this season. Not sure that he had the ability to. Um, David Shaw, uh, I'm not sure that he's on the hot seat. It seems to be consensus around um, different discussions that Stanford wouldn't fire him. Very difficult uh, both to recruit players in and to retain players due to different uh, Stanford stipulations and academic requirements there. But the David Shaw might be looking to move on to other positions, possibly. I don't know where he would go. I don't know if it's in college or the NFL. And due to the way that Stanford football has played recently the past few years and its brand, I'm not sure who's exactly extending an olive branch to say, yes, we'd love to pull you out and have you join our squad. So Interesting to to kind of monitor that going forward. BYU, man, great year last year. Beat Utah, massive win for them. They played a, a lot of games by the seat of their britches. They returned the most production out of any team coming into this season. They got a nice contract extension for Kalani Sataki and um, just a tough year this year. The defense wasn't good. The offense is uh, sporadic injuries. Difficult schedule that, um, I should say moderate schedule that you thought, hey, could they even be dark horse playoff? 
a playoff team. They got some power five teams in here. They stack up some wins, great returning production, linear progression. Let's move upward. And it went the other direction. It's tough. So that's the nightcap. Stanford, BYU, six and five going to a bowl, three and eight. Season's over on FS1 to end Saturday. So let's touch oh so briefly on Sunday. The NBA is light. College basketball matchups haven't been fully decided due to the tournaments going on. Um, College football, there is none. And obviously the NFL, you're watching Red Zone if you have access or the local games that are going on. So you don't always have a lot of choice in which games you're watching there. But let's tackle Sunday here. So the PK Legacy and PK Invitational will pick back up the Phil Knight uh, tournaments there. They are playing uh, let's see here. Fr- Thursday, Friday, they take a break on Saturday and they pick up again on Sunday. Uh, much like the NCAA tournament, they don't play like three games back to back to back. Um, so those tournaments um, do take a break on Saturday and pick up again uh, with all those teams I've mentioned previously on Sunday, as does the ESPN Invitational as well. So we'll get a whole bunch of, of college basketball throughout the day on Sunday uh, with those teams. Uh, the NFL then, uh, again, those tournaments start at 11 a.m. on the ESPN Network Sunday. So lots of uh, early pre-noon starts Thanksgiving through Sunday for college basketball. NFL has some really sloppy games, quite frankly. In the 1 o'clock slot, um, some of the ones that I highlighted here were the Bengals at the Titans. Titans 7-3, and three, Bengals 6-4 and four on CBS. Not sure that either of these teams uh, will be particularly threatening in the playoffs or we'll make it there at this particular point but this is certainly one of the better games on the one o'clock playoff slot um ryan Tannehill, uh, joe burrow of course um Bengals starting to look uh, possibly like a team um, that could hopefully move forward the browns game was atrocious earlier in the season but possibly move into a dark horse um super bowl team which uh, there's a little tongue-in-cheek at this moment but uh, you know with all the parity going on, it's not completely out of the question. And the Titans hosting, of course, a well-coached group there, but not uh, not completely sold on that group either. Bengals are favored by one and a half there. And again, one of the highlights in the one o'clock slot. And the Bears at the Jets looked intriguing at first. The Bears are three and eight. The Jets are six and four. This will be a Fox game. The Jets are four and a half point favorites at home. We don't know who the hell is going to quarterback either of these teams. It just broke that Zach Wilson will not be starting for the Jets. And uh, there's a shoulder injury that was sustained by Justin Fields that has him somewhere between day-to-day and out for the season. Don't know what the hell is going on there. Uh, So this was intriguing when I first uh, noted it down. But um, might be a scratch come Sunday. Of course, if you're watching Red Zone, you might see the few touchdowns that are uh, obtained in this game. Now, Falcons are five and six. They're playing at the Commanders, who are six and five on Fox. The Commanders are two and three at home. They're actually better away from the home stadium. Falcons are one and four on the road. They're better at home. So, which trend holds here? Commanders are four and a half point favorites. The offense is doing enough with Heineke here, who seems like maybe he'll be locked in at quarterback moving forward as they uh, could potentially push for a playoff spot. This whole division potentially could, as there's been a lot of talk about the East divisions in uh, the NFL, of course, and all eight teams possibly having a shot at the playoffs. That would be pretty wild. The Falcons offense has been fun to watch as well. And uh, this is just an entertaining football game here with two teams that could possibly make the playoffs. Of course, the uh, South division there, Falcons, Saints, Panthers, 
Tampa Bay, uh, who's also playing at the one o'clock slot. They're five and five playing the three and seven Cleveland Browns. Uh, just a lot of grossness there, but the Falcons still have a shot at their division as well. Heading towards mid-afternoon, number 13, Auburn is 5-0. They're hosting St. Louis, who's 4-1 on the SEC Network for college basketball. Now, St. Louis was thumped by Maryland earlier in the season. The Terrapins look like a, a good dark horse team in the Big Ten. That's a good ball club there. But St. Louis has wins over Memphis and Providence already this season. They'll get a nice test here heading on the road. Auburn has rolled over lower-level competition. They've played so well. This is a team that could possibly have uh, some say in the SEC uh, play here. You know, Kentucky, Tennessee still favor at the top there, but both have had some struggles early. Could a Auburn punch through? Could an Arkansas, young Arkansas team full of top 10, 25 recruits punch through? Certainly on the table there. So this will be an interesting matchup between a Power 5 and non-Power 5 team. Just dropped in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday. 4 o'clock for the NFL games. Yeah, just some gross matchups here as well, but Cardinals are 4-7, and seven, hosting the Chargers, who are 5-5. Five and five. The Cards' defense has largely been a mess. This team has largely been a mess. Chargers' health has been a mess. There we go. Lots of messiness all over. The Seattle Seahawks are 6-4. and four. They're hosting the Raiders, who are 3-7, and seven, also a CBS game. The Raiders brought in a top receiver and still can't score. Problems there. Of course, Seattle, Geno Smith, thought to be a Dark Horse MVP pick candidate, at least one to receive votes towards the end of the year. They're in the mix. Um, will the Raiders on the road be able to, to pull an upset? It's not looking so great, but those are a couple of the closer four o'clock games. Of course, the Chiefs are 14 and a half point favorites over the Rams, who've looked disastrous and have a number of issues piling up. The Niners are nine and a half point favorites over the Saints, who have their own issues. So just a, a really sloppy slate for the NFL all the way through. So let's head to college basketball again at five o'clock. Central Florida is hosting Miami, a couple of four and one teams on ESPNU. Miami also lost to Maryland, but beat Providence as well. There you go. Some similarities between them and St. Louis. Now, this team returned Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, a couple great stellar guards to the backcourt, both shooting over 36% from three. Central Florida has wins over Florida State and Oklahoma State, which isn't awesome, but it's a couple power five teams so far this season. They have a really great guy in Taylor Hendricks, who's averaging 15.8 points per game, 7.2 rebounds per game, and is shooting 51, 41, 70, 51% from the field, 41% from three, 70% from the line. So great player there. It'd be a good Florida matchup here between Central Florida and Miami, another power five, non-power five team on ESPNU and five in college basketball. If red zone is just a little bit too, too bummer for you on Sunday. Now at eight o'clock, we do have the highlight NBA game of the evening. The Bucks are 12 and four. They're hosting the Mavericks who are nine and seven on NBA TV. Luka Doncic averaging 33.5 points per game, 9.1 rebounds, 8.1 assists. Giannis 30.1 points, 11.6 rebounds, just over five assists. Two MVP candidates. Now the Mavericks are coming off a doubleheader. I, I, hopefully that won't impact Luca's playing on the road here. But again, a little, a little bit more accessible game on the uh, NBA TV with Luca and Giannis uh, at at geez, at eight o'clock on uh, NBA TV here. So uh, just just keep that keep that in mind there. And at eight twenty is our Sunday night football game. Eagles. No, that's not right. I have Eagles and Packers. Oh, Eagles and Pacers. There we go. Eagles and Packers. 
Eagles are nine and one. They're hosting the Packers at four and seven on NBC. Philly is a touchdown favorite. The Pack could be in fourth place in the NFC, I believe, by the time Sunday is done, which is just stunning. Uh, Christian Watson looks like the new stud receiver for the Packers there and maybe the lone weapon for um, Aaron Rodgers there in Green Bay. So uh, we'll see if he continues to, to try and target him on passes. But there's two great corners, of course, on the Eagles side, James Bradbury, Darius Slay, who might just shut the whole operation down. And it's a road game. That's a, that's a nice, fat touchdown, seven-point spread there. But the Eagles, man, on a roll there. The Sunday night, or excuse me, the Monday night game is going to be gross to tonight cap the NFL. Three and seven Steelers at the four, six and one Colts. Just going to note that. Uh, but that's going to round out the Sunday games. Again, the highlight, as far as I'm concerned, if you're a football basketball fan, besides watching your normal uh, red zone package, it's probably going to be keeping an eye on the matchups for the various tournaments, the Phil Knight tournaments uh, that are going on there and seeing what big basketball matchups could potentially be going on and what finalists are playing each other. We could get some uh, top 10 matchups there by the end of Sunday. So I realize it was a lot, but the uh, college football season winding down here, a lot of teams are kind of going to be disinterested in the uh, last week of the season, whether it's because teams are already, you know, done with the year, they're wrapping it up. Um, they're not going to a bowl game or they are going to a bowl game. And they're pretty much locked into what they're doing. So that was pretty much coming to an end. College basketball has got a lot of stuff going on, but it is hard to determine the matchups. Um, you're pretty much locked into what you're doing as far as watching the NFL. You got red zone on and whatever game is available in your market. And if you're not uh, keeping an eye on the NBA, we are about a quarter away into the season so far. We got some surprise teams. We got some bummer teams. We got potential trades coming up. We got a wide open MVP race. It's just the NBA is spectacular if you're able to really get in and appreciate it. But again, unless you're paying uh, the rather expensive premium for NBA League Pass, you're kind of stuck watching regional games and whatever makes the ESPN round and TNT games. And again, a lot of those are blocked off right now because there's so much college sports on. So just wanted to kind of tackle that with the extended weekend going on and kind of run through everything. So I know it was a bit of an overload, but I thank you very much for tuning in for uh, the thoughts here in the notes. I hope you all enjoy your turkey day and I will talk with you later. Thank you. All my blessings, 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 all my blessings. I need my blessings every penny, daily counting every single one I'm seeing plenty, level up and watch that beat turn into a